0: Support for WERU comes from Village Soup, the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com.
1: And the time is just about 4 o'clock. This is Community Radio. Stay tuned for Maine Currents with your
2: host, Amy Brown.
0: And this is Maine Currents Independent Local News, Views, and Culture for Wednesday, September 14, 2016. I'm Amy Brown. Today we're going to be talking about some of the ways local people in our area are connecting with larger movements to create positive change. My guests in the studio today are Tracy Hare and Larry Danzinger. They attended the World Social Forum in Quebec this summer, and they're going to be filling us in on some of the things that were discussed at that international gathering of civil society. We'll also be talking about events in Bangor this coming weekend, marking the fifth anniversary of the Occupy movement And also the End Violence Together rally will be taking place. And we will be touching on what happened in Bangor last weekend when there was a massive turnout at the Wabanaki Solidarity with Standing Rock rally in March in Bangor on Sunday. And we'll be inviting you to join the discussion at any time with questions or with information about work you're involved in that's bringing people together to create positive change. We're going to start out, though, talking about the World Social Forum. But let me give the phone number. Uh, in the first part of the program, like I said, we're going to talk about the World Social Forum. We'll be shifting gears to talk about those other things a little bit later in the program. If you have attended a World Social Forum and want to participate in this part of the discussion, the number is 469 Again, 469 or 1-866-625-9378. To introduce my guests, Tracy Hare started working at Home Incorporated 12 years ago. For a brief time, she worked in partnership with Home at a homeless charity located in Harlem. She lived and worked in Harlem doing street outreach, handing out sandwiches, and serving food from a pop-up pantry. In addition to street outreach, Tracy taught basic computer skills to undocumented and low-income women in the Bronx. She has since returned to Home Incorporated here in Orland where she currently serves as the acting director. In addition to working with homeless people, Tracy has spent time advocating for immigration rights for same-sex couples and is also a member of the board of the St. Francis community slash Mandela Farm where she lived and worked for two years. Mandela Farm is a homeless shelter where homeless people live and work together in community. Larry Danzinger used to work with resources for organizing and social change and he still volunteers with the group. Besides attending the most recent World Social Forum this summer in Montreal, Larry also helped to organize a social forum here in Maine in 2006 and he hopes there will be another in Maine soon. Larry Danzinger was also active in the Occupy Bangor camp that was next to the Bangor Public Library in 2011 and he's helping to plan a fifth anniversary event there this coming Saturday. And we're going to start with Larry giving some background on what the World Social Forum is. It's been around since 2001. I have always associated it with uh, the rise of the massive anti-globalization, corporate globalization protests that were happening around the world at that time. And also the landless movement in Brazil and the Zapatistas. But is that, was that the impetus or how did it what, give us some background?
3: Well, I think that probably was part of the impetus for it. Uh, but I think there are some other things going on as well. Um, the World Social Forum started in 2001, as you said, in Porto Alegre, which is a, a city in Brazil. And Porto Alegre is seems to be a very progressive place. And uh, one of the things that has been very successful going on there is what's called participatory budgeting, where uh, people in the in the various neighborhoods actually uh, each get a certain pot of money that they can uh, spend in their neighborhoods. So Puerto Alegre was uh, specifically the the location for the first one. And um, And several have
0: been held there since then. Yes,
3: that's right. Uh, And that was, I think, uh, just the interest of the people in that particular city had uh, something to do with it as well. Uh, and the world Social Forum has been kind of a response to the World economic Forum uh, that 's held every year in Davos, Switzerland, where the the corporations and the um, government official high up government officials from uh, various countries come together to talk about how to plan a world economy and so this was a response to that, saying uh, the regular folks, the working people of the world should have an opportunity to come together as well to talk about you know, how we would like to see our economy and we would like to see our society. So that was uh, a kind of a response to the World Economic Forum was to have this World Social Forum where the everyday folks would have a chance to come together and, and figure out how we, we would like to see our country, our countries and our economies actually operate. Um And it was a chance for people from everyday walks of life to meet each other and to find out what uh people in these different countries were doing uh, a lot of times uh and the world social forum that I attended uh made clear that there are some things that are happening in the u k and Africa. And certainly, in Montreal and other parts of Canada, they are similar to what we're trying to do in the u s and there are also some pretty significant differences as well um, The theme that uh it was a little different this year, but generally the theme has been uh a forward theme of another world is possible and uh, they've expanded that a little bit out uh from possible to necessary and so some of the recent Uh, World Social Forums have focused on what we have to do, not what we hope to do or what would be nice to do, particularly around something like climate issues, because we can't just hope for something better. We've really got to do it because we won't have a planet otherwise.
0: Tracy here, this is your first time attending a World Social Forum and your experience kind of tied in with some of the workshops that you were going to attend and the work that you do. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience?
4: That's right, Amy. Uh, as Larry said, it everyday people, 35,000 people attended the World Social Forum. And uh, this was my first forum. And it was particularly uh, special for me. I'd been undocumented for over two decades in the United States. And so I wasn't even sure that I would be allowed to enter Canada and then I wasn't even sure that I would be allowed to return to the United States.
0: But you still felt like it was important enough to try and to go.
4: I felt like it was important enough to try and to go. I, I'm a legal, you know, I, I'm a legal resident of of this country and and I felt like it was important to go specifically because of the the work that's being done was being discussed actually at the social forum about uh, freedom of movement and uh, you know refugee rights migrants' rights uh human trafficking um, uh, the workshops I attended were. I I chose workshops specific to the work that we do at home which we work with from time to time we work with refugees and we work with people from different countries, Central America and others and we're also a member of EMAS International and uh, EMAS International at every assembly sets five priority programs that uh, each group will focus on and human trafficking and freedom of movement are two of those and those speak to me as an individual
0: as well as in the work that I do so as you were going into that, you had a lot of trepidation about what was going to happen at the border.
4: I did. There, um, Actually, uh, 60% of the, uh, there were 2,000 people invited to the World Social Forum by the committee, and 60% of those visas were denied. And uh, none of those visas, of course, I'm from Australia, so I, I was let in, but those visas typically were denied. Uh, countries uh, Benin. in, uh, Brazil, uh, uh, I have
0: a list of them right
4: here, mostly from the Southern Hemisphere. So those voices weren't heard at the social forum, and they're very important voices.
0: And what were the grounds for that? Were were any given?
4: Uh, Well, (laughs) there were grounds given by uh, the customs in uh, Canada, the immigration department in Canada. Basically, and it's similar to the United States. You have to... Well, I
3: think it would have been even higher in the U.S., but, you know, <laughs> it, it you'd, you'd think Canada would do better on this, but only, maybe only a little bit.
4: Uh, only a little bit. Basically, when you enter the uh, Canada, the same as within the U.S., on a visitor's visa, you have to prove that you are returning to your country, the, the country that you came from. And uh, they can deny you entry if they don't, believe that you plan on returning, which is an easy way out for the World Social Forum because it's everyday people who don't have large bank accounts. They don't have assets that they can prove, well, of course I'm not leaving my country because, look, I have all of these assets in my own country. So that was the reason given, um, but you know, it's, it's doubtful that those were the real reasons
0: people were denied. And so once you were there, you also had concerns about getting back into the U.S.?
4: I did mostly because you know I was undocumented for so long, and it was my first border crossing in 21 years. And you know the border had scared me for over two decades. Um, the reason I was undocumented, you know, was based on my relationship, my relationship with a same se- of you know a same-sex relationship, um, and that wasn't legally recognized until the Supreme Court acknowledged it federally. Um, so
0: what you're saying is people in. Uh In other marriages, if they married somebody from another country, you could get citizenship. But in same-sex marriages, if that happened, that wasn't recognized as legal grounds for getting citizenship? Correct. Yeah. So did you have any trouble either way? You know, I didn't.
4: And, you know, but I look the part. Uh, You know, I'm coming from Australia. Uh, It's not typically a country that people get profiled from. And I, I... you know, I was. It was very, very smooth. Uh, you know, obviously, I was very, very nervous, uh, but it was very smooth for me. I'm very, I have very pale skin. I, uh, you know, I, I, I don't look like I wouldn't be returning, or you know, I don't look like I would want to. The be profile. St- I don't fit the profile.
3: Yeah. Although maybe if you'd had shocking pink hair like you had <laughs> once upon a time, that might have been a difference <laughs> too, as well.
0: Yeah, for yeah, <laughs> radio, not TV, but I can attest that she does not any longer have shocking pink hair.
3: All right. So. Um, I want to go back to the World Social Forum a little bit just to talk about one, a couple of other aspects of it. One is that um, it has what's called the Charter of Principles, and these are 14 different statements. Um, and basically the idea of this Charter of Principles is to say this is an open forum. This is something where we want A broad variety of people to attend. This is not something that just brings together um, the you know the best of the best or the you know or someone might say the worst of the worst or somewhere in between. Uh, But uh, you know, so you don't have a lot of government officials. What you have is people either representing themselves or, in many cases, representing uh, what. Internationally, we they uh, call non-governmental organizations, although we would t- think more in terms of the term non-profits. Um, and um, the other thing about that is that there have been some concerns, especially in recent years, about A lot of people from the non-governmental organizations, and in many cases those are directors or board members or people that are high up in that organization, kind of taking over the World Social Forum as well. Right, I've heard that criticism. And so there there may not be as many regular folks, whatever that means, attending, although I think uh, uh, the people from Maine that I know were mostly regular folks who did attend that. And there are maybe 10 or 12 people altogether from well, Maine, can, at least that I know about, who were there. It can
0: be hard for regular folks without some organization backing them that's to right. get to something like that.
3: And especially if you're coming from another continent, you know, do you have the plane fare to get there? Um, that's not always an easy thing unless somebody is, you know, is covering that cost. Uh, There were some people from Africa, some people from Asia that came, but certainly not as many as uh, I'm sure the organizers had hoped. And many of those, again, may have been, I'm not sure, but may have been from those non-governmental organizations, and the organizations paid the fare.
0: One of the principles that I read, if I'm interpreting it correctly, says that there aren 't going to be any official decisions coming out of it that there 's no push to say we all as this or as the world social forum agree on this or we 're all going to take this particular action. It sounds like it would be nearly impossible to get consensus with thirty five thousand people anyway but Tracy wonder yeah, that 's
4: right there, there were over thirteen hundred self managed activities uh, which comprised i think of eleven 1, hundred or so uh, organizations and uh, one of the workshops I went to was put on by the Camboni sisters, um, and it was on human trafficking. Now, who are the Camboni sisters? Uh, it's an Italian order, a Catholic order, I believe, uh, and their focus is focus. This particular order's focus is on human trafficking and um, in uh, in all areas, labor for labor market, sex trafficking, um, lots of you know different. Uh, Sources of trafficking. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the World Social For- the Forum, they had written a letter, and it's actually on the World so- Social Forum's website. And they wrote a, a letter of suggestion and a letter of commitment. And a lot of those letters have come out of the World Social Forum, their, their commitments from organizations to the work that they're going to do moving forward. And the Camboni sisters, in particular, uh, I found interesting. Uh, they are making a commitment to encourage more local Catholic Church participation in the world social forum um, and that was one of the areas that they wanted to to make happen they 've made a commitment to be on the on the uh, organizing committee and they 've made several other commitments it 's quite a long letter, but a lot of those uh, letters and commitments came out of the World Social Forum, not necessarily decisions, but pledges to do certain things in relation to the,
0: the area that people are working on. Has the Pope actually weighed in on this? It seems like of all the popes in my lifetime, this would be the one most
3: likely <laughs> he would to be the s- one. So I, sign on.
4: You know, I don't know. I, I Through the sisters, perhaps, uh, but I don't know.
3: Yeah, there's probably some encyclicals about being involved in working, well, certainly with uh, what they call the poor, right? Uh, the so the prefera- preferential option for the poor, uh, but whether or not they're focusing specifically on the uh, gatherings like Doing this, I'm not yeah. so sure. Yeah, and yeah, it, it, you know, in the past, a lot of the s- world social forums have been in Catholic countries, um, at least, uh, definitely Brazil. Uh, I think there's one other, um, one other Latin American country where they had it as well. Uh, and then uh, some in other parts of the Uh, in Africa, and I think one or two in Asia. This is actually the first time it was in North America.
0: Let me just remind listeners, you're listening to Main Currents here on WERU, and my guests in the studio are Tracy Hare and Larry Danzinger. They both attended the World Social Forum in Montreal this summer, and that's what we're talking about now. In a little while, we're going to shift gears, and we're going to talk about some other ways that uh, local people are tying into bigger movements nationally, internationally, to work towards positive change. We hear a lot about the Problems in the world, and we're focusing today on what people are doing to band together to uh, try to address some of them. The phone number, if you'd like to join the conversation, is 469 0500. -0500. Again, uh, also the toll free number is 1 866 625 9378. When we shift gears, we'll be talking a little bit about the uh, rally last weekend in Bangor, the Wabanaki solidarity with Standing Rock, and also the upcoming anniversary of Occupy, the Occupy movement, and specifically Occupy Bangor, as well as the End Violence Together rally. About 4.30, we are expecting a call from one of the organizers of that. So, Tracy, what did you take away from the workshops that you attended that ties in with your work at home?
4: Uh, one in particular, I, was, I attended a workshop by the, I believe it was the German Education Union, or a GEW, And it was, um, the topic was welcome classes, which is um, schools for refugee children. As we know, Germany has taken lots, quite you know, lots and lots of refugees. And um, their model for welcoming refugee children children into the schools is is really fascinating. And at home, obviously, we don't have refugee children to that scale, uh, but it's always been we, you know, when children have come to home from, say, Central America or Guatemala, the public school systems locally have been amazing. But we wondered how Holmes Learning Center could learn from from this this model. And the, basically, the welcome class is set up that when the children arrive, they are set up in a separate class um, um, with teachers that are that are um, sensitive to the. Uh, the situation that the children have come from. Many of them haven't seen inside a classroom ever in their lives. Many of them have spent several years in bunkers in the middle of war. Many Going have through th- trauma. Yeah. Lots of trauma, and they don't know the language. They don't know German. So it makes it very hard for them to just integrate into the schools. So the welcome classes are set up to prepare them for integrating into into the school system in, in a really gentle way. You know, Germany's a very well-off country, but it's still a big, big burden on the si- on the school system. But the the idea behind a welcome class really struck. I, I went with another colleague from home, Rosa, who's our uh, learning center director, and she's actually in Colombia today giving a, a talk. Maine? No, Colombia. The, the country. The country. <laughs> uh, as part of our membership with Amias International, and talking about you know. Ideas that we got from the workshop of, how, you know, how we can help children who come to the learning center at home, even though they're only a couple every two years or so. You know, how can we help uh, them integrate into the world a little better? Uh, so that was one class that really was really helpful locally for us. The human trafficking piece, um, you know, one wouldn't think that here in Orland, Maine, we, w- we would see much uh, human trafficking. And, and the, the reality of it is we don't know. Uh, there aren't really any statistics in Maine of how many people are trafficked for l- the labor force. There's a, there are statistics for sex, uh, human trafficking for sex work. But there aren't really any statistics for the migrant farm workers. Um, I know of one in my time at home. But there, there's most likely many, many more. And the workshops I took in relation to that were awareness. Uh, were, uh, based on, you know, recognizing a trafficking victim, uh, you know, uh, most of most victims of trafficking wouldn't tell you uh, that they're victims of trafficking. If, and
0: there's a language barrier a lot of the, the time. Right?
4: Language barrier. Um, and, and it, you know, it comes down to poverty and climate change. You know, during world crises like the refugee crisis and climate change, we're creating more and more vulnerable folks who are susceptible to being trafficked because they're so desperate because they're so desperate yeah so we can only imagine that we'll see more of that coming as a result of the state of the world today will we see more of that in orland Maine? we won't know because people don't typically arrive at our door from a blueberry field and say i've been trafficked
0: so what are some of the lessons about how to uh recognize or what should be some warning signs that somebody should take a closer look if they can Uh,
4: if somebody comes with another
0: person and they don't have their ID on them
4: somebody else has their identification in their pocket you mm-hmm. know that's a sign that they don't nec- you know most people would have their ID on them you know that's a sign that they may not necessarily have control of their their documents and their movement yeah oh right. their movement uh, if somebody if you're speaking with someone and they are with someone else and the other person answers for them, unless it's a translation or, you know, a translator, a language barrier, you know, that's another poss- sign. Um, you know, health, if somebody's really in poor health and, you know, looks like they, they may be working harder than they would want to be working, that's another sign. But again, we're, we're not trained at home as first responders. I, I think uh, we we just you know, we attend to the basic needs of the person, but if there is a problem or if we have a, you know, an idea
0: that somebody may be in that situation, we'd reach out to other organizations for help. And uh, mm-hmm. we, we have a phone call on the line, but before we shift gears and take that call, just uh, in the spirit of sharing information like that, what is recommended that someone do if they're concerned about a situation like that? Is it, do you contact local law enforcement or?
4: I would, local law enforcement have. Uh, there's a there's there's a group in Maine, and I wish I had written it down. There's a website, and I can forward it to the station. Okay, at a later and we'll put date. it up
0: with the archives of today's show. And
4: uh, Maine has made an effort statewide to train uh, healthcare professionals, law enforcement, social workers, social service providers, um, and so there's there is a there are a lot of resources out there for recognizing it. We're not where we could be and want to be. Um, it's. You know, again, we we don't have numbers of how many
0: people or are trafficked for labor. Work. But just being aware that it's an issue is a sure. step from uh, where we were a yeah. few years ago. And
4: local law enforcement is tricky though because if the person's undocumented, and right. this actually came up in the workshop, if somebody's been trafficked, and they're undocumented, if you turn if you call local law enforcement, then they will be released from the trafficking situation, right? But then they'll be put in another jail Mm. right so uh, and that was actually a story that someone gave in canada that happened to a man in canada his he was trafficked and his family his house was held ransom for the guy and he put his house up he lost his house he was trafficked to canada they abandoned him and
0: then canadian
4: immigration picked him up and put him in immigration detention
0: So maybe the first step should be try to find somebody who's a translator who can talk to the person and find out what's going on. We have a, a call waiting. Go ahead, caller. What's your first name? Where are you calling from?
2: Hi, my name is Mary Ellen, and I'm calling from Bangor.
0: Hi, Mary Ellen. Mary Ellen's actually joining us because she is one of the organizers, as I mentioned, of the event coming up this Saturday, the End Violence Together rally. So welcome to the program. We're going to shift gears a little bit, from, and we'll get back to the World Social Forum. Uh, but tell us what's going on Saturday afternoon.
2: Yes, we are looking forward to the third annual End Violence Together RALLY AND MARCH TO BUILD A CULTURE OF PEACE. Uh, the, THE EVENT WILL BE HELD AT um, WEST MARKET SQUARE IN BANGOR ON SATURDAY, SEPTEMBER 17TH FROM 1 TO 4 P.M. WE'VE HAD THE GOOD FORTUNE OF GATHERING OVER 40 LOCAL ORGANIZATIONS AND FAITH COMMUNITIES WHO ARE CO-SPONSORING THIS EVENT. And it's part of a national um, week of nonviolent actions as part of campaign nonviolence.
0: And this is one of those uh, kinds of efforts that gets criticized by some people of having so many different messages. Your, of your 40 groups, you've got a lot of different range of groups. But that is kind of the point is that this kernel of all of these different groups is the issue of violence, Right. Exactly.
2: The purpose of this event is really to raise awareness of the interconnectedness of all issues of violence, war, poverty, racism, environmental destruction, domestic violence, gun violence. It's all related. So, The reason to get together is to um, network and raise awareness and bring together really a coalition of people that are working for peace and um, environmental sustainability and racial equality and economic equality. So it forms a really strong and powerful voice.
0: I know you have tables set up, you're planning children's activities. Uh, last year, and I think the year before, there were also speakers. Do you know who the speakers will be?
2: Yes, the planning group decided this year that we really wanted to focus on the impact of violence on our youth. And we're happy to say that we have students from local high schools as well as from the Job Corps organization and from the University of Maine, who will be speaking about their experiences with issues like racial discrimination, domestic violence, poverty, sexual identity issues, so we'll be hearing from youth about their experience and hopefully supporting them as a community. Sorry to interrupt. Larry
0: said so that he uh, wants to ask
3: you something. I'm assuming that uh, in addition to the importance of ending violence, uh, the method for ending violence is not more violence, but rather nonviolent methods.
2: Absolutely. That's really the focus of campaign nonviolence, um, is to provide training to communities or have communities you know, network to provide their own training so that people can learn more strategies and more ways to affect change, and really starting oftentimes with ourselves, just examining our own behavior and seeing how we contribute to a culture of violence and changing that. Mary Ellen, can you give the details
0: one more time for anybody who just caught the middle of that and wants to know where and when?
2: Yes, we'll be at West Market Square right in downtown Bangor on Saturday, September 17th, beginning at 1 and ending at 4, and we welcome people to come. We often have people come from the WERU listening area, so we're hoping people will join us.
0: And there's a Facebook event page about it, right? I don't remember what it's called. I think I saw that today. And is there also a website or an email, or where should people go for more information?
2: Um, more information at the local level is available from the Peace and Justice Center, and their website is org. And I encourage people to look at the national website as well because this event is one of over 500 that will be occurring during the week of September 17th to the 25th. And that website is um, campaignnonviolence.org. All right. Well, th- thanks
0: for joining yeah. us today, Mary Ellen. Oh, did you I, want I know to a couple other
3: things worth mentioning on that. One is that in addition to the speakers, there will be uh, a little bit of a march around the downtown area to highlight uh, the fact that, you know, to talk to whoever happens to be downtown then. And that uh, I think a number of groups will have information tables so you can go shopping for uh, good ideas. You know, such and such a group is working on, say, uh, gun issues or domestic violence, that's a good way to find out who's doing what and maybe get involved that way. And uh, although um, this is probably very unlikely given the the drought we've had, uh, I think there's a, a uh, rain location, which is Columbia Street Project on Columbia Street right up the hill, I thought it was the Discovery Square. Museum.
0: Okay, so that's good to know. I think I, I had read that it was Discovery Museum no, was a rain it, location. Yeah, it is it's Columbia Street. Columbia Street okay. Project.
2: All right, did we miss anything, Mary Ellen? No, I think that you have all the information, and I really appreciate the time to talk about it.
0: All right. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. And again, I'll uh, just mention you are listening to Main Currents on WERU. And if you'd like to join the discussion and let us know what you are doing in your communities to uh, work with others to create positive change, give us a call. It's kind of a good news show today. The number is 469-0500. Again, 469-0500. My guests in the studio today are Tracy Hare from HOME here in Orland and Larry Danzinger, who is formerly, well, still with Resources for organization organizing social change, but he's now a volunteer rather than a staff member. Uh, The two of them have just returned from this summer's World Social Forum in Canada, and we've been talking about that, but we're willing to shift gears at any point to talk about other things that you are working on, and in a few minutes, we'll shift gears to talk about also the fifth anniversary of Occupy that's coming up in October. Uh, We had been talking about what some of the practical information was that Tracy had taken away. Uh, that pertain to her work at home, uh, Larry, how about you? What kinds of practical information did you take away from the world social forum this summer
3: well most I went to a bunch of workshops uh, and actually they had some cultural events as well that were pretty interesting but um, I, and and we could use some culture in this area that we don 't have, like bread and puppet theater, for example, although we do have a little bit of theater going on as well. Not quite that kind,
0: though. Shoestring Theater down in Portland used to do well, a pretty good job of yep. that. I don't yeah, know if they're around anymore. I think they anymore. might
3: still be doing a little of that, but uh, that's uh, not close enough yeah. for my liking. <laughs> Anyways, um, most of what I went to were workshops on economic issues. And um, so just to give you a quick rundown of a few, one talked about uh, was done by a teacher's union talking about investments of that teacher's union in a, in actually uh, that they don't have control of. Uh, they, their pension fund goes into uh, a certain company that invests it, and it turns out that the company was taking the pension money of the teachers' union in Chicago and investing it in part in companies that were running charter schools in Chicago. So essentially their money was being used to uh, harm them and to hurt their status and ability to uh, have good educational facilities and programs in Chicago. Very ironic. So uh, we talked a little about what they were doing, and they were actually fighting back quite a bit on that and saying, no, you you know, we're not going to give you your money anymore, and we're going to pressure you to stop investing in that particular company. So that was one pretty exciting workshop. And uh, another one talking about what's called the solidarity economy. You know, we don't have to have the kind of global corporate capitalism that we have now, uh, but we have to figure out, you know, how to create something different. And there are plenty of examples: cooperatives, small business, lo- buy local campaigns. Um, you know, all kinds of different uh, structures and approaches to the economy. And Canada certainly has a much stronger cooperative economy than we do in the U.S. Uh, there are a lot of supermarkets, a lot of uh, other businesses that are pretty large that are are also cooperatives, and that actually pay attention to what they're doing to their workers and to the local community and are invested in those local communities. So that was another workshop. Uh, I went to one on energy democracy, uh, which um, probably we wouldn't think that that was a possibility, but um, – and I look back when I after I got back from the workshop, we actually had a referendum in 1973 uh, talking about the uh, creating a power authority for the state of Maine, and unfortunately, it lost. But uh, it could happen again uh, instead of Emera and Central Maine Power running most, uh, which both of which are co- companies that um, are not even based in the U.S. Uh, are, that are owning our utilities, we could have something that, you know, we have some access and control of in this in this state.
0: All right, let's pause there and take a call. Go ahead, caller. What's your first name and where are you calling from?
5: I'm David. I'm calling from Brooklyn.
0: Hey, David. Welcome to the program.
5: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for the show. Thanks for uh, the coverage of what sounds like it was a really good event. I, I really applaud the local economic focus that was just being uh, discussed and I wonder, on the uh, at the other extreme from that, uh, if there was any discussion of movements such as the BDS movement uh, to help our local economy to uh, 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 enact change on the larger uh, on the larger uh, political scene by uh, uh, supporting and unsupporting uh, governments, which. Are, popular and unpopular David
0: for listeners who may not know what BDS stands for can you um explain
5: uh BDS is stands for boycott divest and sanction it's it's a, a movement which uh pertains specifically to the the uh Israeli occupation of Palestine and uh is seeking for uh, uh that occupation to be made uncomfortable uh to the uh, to the occupying state by uh, divesting and boycotting uh, from organizations and industries which are located in that state.
0: So, Larry, Tracy, any... uh...
3: Well, there were quite a few uh, workshops and even uh, what they called grand conferences uh, on that, uh, certainly on the BDS, Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions movement, and on the Israeli... Palestinian conflict in general. I didn't attend any of those, uh, but there Tracy's was a fairly head, large presence. So Tracy shaking I don't think presence. she did
4: either. No, I didn't attend okay. any of those. Yeah. It, yeah. it was difficult. There were so many workshops at the same time, and they conflicted with each other. So there were some sacrifice oh, yeah. zones of workshops that, you know, they packed a lot of workshops into a small amount of time.
0: So. Well, I want to shift gears in a few minutes to talking about the Occupy anniversary. Uh, but Larry, you mentioned that you you were hoping to organize another social forum here in Maine. Would it be like the Northeast Social Forum, or
3: how, well, what are we, called, at, and how do they work? In 2006, we did a Maine Social Forum, and that was held at, uh, in Lewiston at the Bates Mill. So at that point, part of the mill was abandoned, and the person who owned it said, hey, you can use it. Uh, don't hold us responsible if you, you, know, somebody slips and falls, but uh, it was basically a free facility. And uh, we did it in uh, the end of July, and it was very hot that weekend, but mm, between three and 400 people showed up for it. And the the format was somewhat like uh, what the World Social Forum was. A lot of workshops, a lot of opportunities to, um, to learn new ideas or to refine your skills, uh, but a lot of the idea was just getting to know each other. Maine isn't a huge state, but it's big enough that... Uh, a lot of people don't know each other, even if you're working on the same kinds of issues or have the same kinds of interests. So the goal was not only to learn a lot uh, and for all of us to be teachers and learners, usually at the same time, but also to get to know each other and to make connections, and a lot of connections were made during that uh, I think it was a three-day event, Friday, Any Saturday, Sunday. C-
0: concrete plans underway, or is it just hopes for the future to have another one?
3: Um, just hopes at this point, but, you know, somebody's got to get it started. Uh, myself and about half a dozen others got it started 10 years ago. Uh, I'm willing to be one of a half a dozen again. So if I hear from four or five other folks that say, you know, I'm in or I'm willing to help with this, Uh, It could happen, you know, I think it'll happen.
0: Well, we'll have you give your contact information at the end of the program. And, again, if you'd like to call in and join the discussion, the phone number here is 469 469-0500. We're talking about different ways that groups are networking together, local people are plugging in to other movements, either locally, nationally, internationally, to work on positive change to address some of the problems that we hear about in the news all the time. Larry?
3: I just want to mention one other example that I thought was really impressive about the World Social Forum. And that is, I actually did a workshop called Using Money to Create Another Better World, just talking about various aspects of money and how you know everything we do, whether we spend money or don't spend money, is a choice and an opportunity to make change. But in the workshop was an amazing collection of people. Uh, we had somebody from the Gaspé Peninsula. We had several people from uh, Quebec and Ontario. But we also had people from Saskatchewan we had, I believe, somebody from British Columbia. We had several U.S.ers, including about four or five people from the South Bronx uh, in New York City. And we had someone from Uganda. So, you know, just the opportunity to, you know, to mix all those people up and to hear different people answering a question, the same question in very different ways is really, really pretty amazing and pretty educational. For me, I was really impressed with that collection of people and the things they had to say. Great.
0: Tracy. Any last thoughts to add about world social forum before we move on? I think I have to end with
4: what Larry said. It, it, you're, you were br- in the opening march where there were only fifteen thousand people. You only. were brushing shoulders with an amazing group of human beings, and some, you, you know, you most of the time you couldn't understand the person beside you. They may have spoken, you know, they spoke a different language oh, or their although, sign.
3: Yeah, a lot of the l- workshops were bilingual. Most of the ones I attended were
4: exactly they yeah the ones I attended were all bilingual. There was one I attended that uh, a a person who attended the workshop translated for me. They didn't have a translator there, Mm -hmm. but they made every effort to accommodate. Uh, But just going through that march and it was an amazing an amazing experience. There were thousands of us marching down uh, the main street of Montreal and banners and flags and and you know tribes and it was it was just an incredible experience and to hear the voices come together especially in the workshops that I went to the mobile health clinics and the welcome classes and just to hear the different stories from you know the UK on their how what they're doing with refugees and you know, it was just incredible it oh. was an incredible experience of human beings coming together different
0: ideas and uh, yeah so a positive experience when you're glad you went to and suffered the nerves about what <laughs> it was going to be like with the border absolutely. crossing. Absolutely. Yeah. When I
4: crossed the border back into the United States, I texted my partner and, look out, they let me back in. <laughs> it, was a, it was a great moment and, and, the you know, quite
0: an event to do it for. Okay, nice. So were either of you at the Solidarity March, the Wabanaki Solidarity March last Sunday in Bangor?
4: Yes, I was there. And I it saw Larry too, too. <laughs> briefly. Yeah, right. so. we were both there. It was it was it was a great uh, it was a great honor to be a part of of those ceremonies and um, and it rained in the beginning, which was quite a blessing um, during the blessing of the water and.
0: Right, the water definitely showed up. It
4: definitely showed up. Yeah, it definitely.
3: Well, up. They didn't even need the blessing to get the water because that came first. It came uh, first. <laughs> but uh, maybe the, first. the the blessing was also. Thank good, you know, thankfully we have some of that water and we need a lot more.
4: That, again, was also an amazing, uh, diverse group of people. It, it was, it, it's pretty in- inspiring.
0: And that also, and we won't get too much into it. We don't have any of the organizers with us, although I, um, maybe one or two of them will uh, join us by phone at some point before the show ends. But I just wanted to let listeners know Donna Loring uh, from the Penobscot Nation, who hosts Wabanaki Windows, did a special the day after, uh, Monday morning. That will be archived on the WERU website on Friday afternoon. And also her next uh, regular edition of Wabanaki Windows will address the issue of what's happening at Standing Rock, and that is going to be on next Tuesday, uh, September 20th. Is that possible? Is next Tuesday, September yeah. 20th? Oh, my gosh. 30th, 30th. At 10 o'clock. So tune in for that. We also have live video feed of the speakers and of the march on, well, it's not live anymore, but we did it live. It's on the WERU Facebook page if you'd like to check that out. We'll eventually get that moved over as well to our YouTube page. And... um So that was another example, though. The reason I wanted to make sure we at least brought it up here today is that we're talking about people moving into larger, plugging into larger movements. That was a Wabanaki solidarity with the tribes in the West and the recognition of the interconnectedness and the water being the common theme that ties all of those things together. So anybody have any comments about that or as I said, any other things that you're working on with other people in your community or the larger global community, we've got about 15 minutes left to the program. If you'd like to tell us about them, give us a call. Right now I want to play just a small clip to set up this next discussion about the anniversary of the Occupy movement. Uh, this was recorded the first day of the 2011, October 2011, when it actually had just snowed uh, in Bangor when Bangor uh, joined – Augusta and Portland in having an Occupy presence here in Maine. And this is from a special report I did back then in October 2011.
5: Bangor, Maine has now
0: officially joined other cities from around the globe with a full-time Occupy Wall Street movement group camping out around the clock near the public library. Occupy Bangor kicked off on Saturday with speeches, a march, and a protest outside Bank of America Several participants have been camping out at the site since Saturday, braving the weekend snowstorms. After being told by Bangor police that they would not be allowed to camp at the adjacent park, Occupy Bangor moved to Bangor Public Library's land as the library has no policy prohibiting camping. Today we preempt our regular programming to bring you some of the sounds from Saturday's rally, and we'll continue each day through Thursday this week to bring you more coverage and on into the upcoming weeks. As it continues, Fangor's joining Portland and Augusta today, this week, in saying we are the 99%. This is 30, the beginning of the speakers on Saturday as they kicked off the, the event.
2: Route, where are we going to go for the march, what we're going to do, yeah. uh, then we will... March. We're going to get back here and then at three o'clock we're going to meet in our working groups <laughs> to plan uh, the ongoing occupation. At four o'clock we're going to hold the general assembly and that's the way that decisions get made at the, the, uh, the occupations.
0: And the and public the, is invited to attend those. To
2: be announced. Now to, to begin to sort of get us started off uh, we're going to have John Hansen come up and give his testimonial, speak for a little bit um john is i'm a uh, labor union member john has been a great friend to the labor unions for a very long time and i'm very proud and honored to have him here to start us off come on up johnny thank you scott thank you
1: very much and thank all of you for being here the snow held off you know and it's only because of us listen i just want to share a few thoughts with you uh about all this. I I was actually away, many, many, many miles away. Valerie called, left a message on my machine and said, please be here. We're doing something in Bangor. We're starting something in Bangor. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what this is, a new and fresh start for America. Richard Nixon, campaigning, said this, America is in trouble today, (laughs) not because her people have failed, but because her leaders have failed. (laughs) Richard Nixon knew a lot about the failure of leadership. (laughs) (laughs) But here we are now, almost 40 years later, and we are once again vexed with the continuation of either the failure of leadership, and I'm talking about leadership in all quarters, political leadership, the leadership of corporate America, the leadership of our financial institutions. It goes right down the line. But I ask you, is it a failure? Are we here because someone had failed? Or are we here because our plight today is by design. It is deliberate. It is purposeful. Many people are very pleased with our plight right now because their plight, their lives, are unaffected by the unfathomable unemployment rates with millions of people unemployed and likely to remain so, while others actually profit from that unemployment. Oh, and then the latest gamut. Let's blame the victims. Let's tell workers it's their fault they're unemployed, not because our jobs have been exported to elsewhere. It is time to bring it into this. And so this is our start. We are joining with thousands, nay, tens of thousands, no, hundreds of thousands of people All over the country. In fact, beyond our borders, all over the world. I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired.
0: So that was five years ago in Bangor. Of course, there were a lot more speakers, and that went on for a while. And uh, here we are five years later. Actually, the following year, uh, Meredith DiFrancesco and Lawrence Reichard, and I went to New York for the anniversary of the... Occupy Wall Street movement there, and the people that we interviewed. We don't have time to play clips today, but we interviewed Mainers who were down there for the anniversary, and talked to them then about a year later what they thought had been accomplished. But probably the thing that really seemed like the focal point was on the way home, actually on the bus ride home, hearing that Mitt Romney had just said that 47% of Americans were uh, dependent, um, entitled people who just didn't want to work. Basically, uh, let's see the was uh, dependent on the government. Believe they are victims, and the government has a responsibility to take care of them. And in that sort of climate, where ninety-nine percent that that slogan had been everywhere, it seemed like that rallying point really tied people together to oppose that view. But five years later, now where are we? Is there still are there still vestiges of the Occupy movement? Do you think?
3: Well, the I think. The 99% is a lot more important than the 47%, and that's what Occupy really talked about. Was that, um, you know, it it isn't even a matter of failed leadership or a des, you know a designed set of problems, although that's really important. I think the Occupy movement said, not only that we're getting screwed, but we're not going to wait for the leadership to get better. We're going to create our own, and we're not going to try and fix a bad system. We're going to create our own system, alternatives entirely. Yes, and, Tracy, and you're we're nodding. going to model that way of working together ourselves in the way we organize ourselves, and the way we make decisions, and the way we, you know, we create our own institutions.
0: Jaycee, you're nodding. Did you want to add anything to that? we've got to we've got to create our, own, create our own systems
4: we can't rely on someone to fix it for us it's it's become you know my boss said years ago at the war on the poor rally it's become fun to squash poor people and i think i think the occupy movement and the movements we've talked about today i think it's it's it it has to come from us on the ground it has to come from the people and uh so as far as other occupy other pockets of occupy now um i i'm, I'm in a bit of a bubble at home uh we you know we have we have a staff of 42 people and they're all 90, you know the 99% myself included um we have to create the change ourselves. We have to, you know, more cooperative work. Uh, yeah.
0: So Saturday, we talked about what's happening Saturday afternoon with the End Violence Together rally. Saturday morning, there's going to be an event uh, for marking the fifth anniversary of Occupy Bangor uh, or the Occupy movement in general. Is this a reunion of the people who were organizers the first time around, or w- what's happening?
3: Well, um when I started thinking about the Occupy Movement again and realized that September 17th was the fifth anniversary, it seemed to me to make sense to try and have uh, a, a revival of the Occupy Movement at least on a one-day basis. And that's the anniversary
0: so, of Occupy Wall Street. Yes, The Bangor in New York City. started the actual encampment in October. Yes, right.
3: Okay. But just, you know, to give it one date... Uh, because even the three occupations, 24-7 occupations, in Maine started at different times. So it just made sense. Plus, uh, the 17th is a Saturday, and then I found out that the End Violence Together march was happening in the afternoon. So it seemed to be a good opportunity to uh, have something also happen in the morning as well on that same day. So we're simply going to at least gather and probably uh, do some... Uh, signs, maybe a speak-out, maybe a a short uh, general assembly between 10 and 11.30 Saturday morning the 17th, and that'll be at Pierce Park, which is the park right next to the Bangor Public Library. And then actually, just so people don't have any downtime, uh, we'll also have a potluck lunch at the Peace and Just Center right across the street from 1130 to 1, and then hopefully people will go to the End Violence Together rally and March as well.
0: Do you envision that being more than a one-time thing? Are you trying to revive the Occupy movement in Bangor?
3: Um, well, we'll have a general assembly, and we'll see what we might decide then. You don't anything. have any
0: proposal yourself? Um,
3: I'm sure there will be proposals. I'll make a proposal that you know do we want to continue if so how how can we do that
0: because most of what we've heard even at the year anniversary um in zuccotti park was that people believed that the occupy movement survives it's just taken on many different names in different communities
3: exactly yeah Very and uh, there isn't really a group that's focusing on economic inequality and the huge division between the 99% and the 1% in the state of Maine. There's certainly a lot of groups addressing the issue, but not not one group focusing on it. Maybe we'll do that. And and just to let people know, there will be events in Augusta at 12 noon in Capitol Park and also in Lincoln Park in Portland. Beginning at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Also this coming uh, also Saturday. Also on the 17th.
2: All
0: right. Well, we are just about out of time, so I want you both to give your contact information. Please, Tracy, do you want to go first? Tracy here.
4: Sure. Uh, okay. I can be reached at Home Co-op in Orland, and the phone number there is 469-7961. And of course, we have a website, www.homemausa.org. And I can also be – we also have a Facebook page.
0: And we'll put the links up on uh, our uh, archives with today's program, which will be archived on Friday afternoon. Larry. Um, you know,
3: people J- Larry can Danzinger. call me at two, in Bangor at uh, 207-262-3706, and I love phone calls.
0: All right. So, if you missed any of the uh, information about where and when things are going to be happening, you can get in touch here at the station. I think we have it all in the community calendar. But that is all we have time for today. And uh, a reminder that the soapbox, the WERU Community Soapbox, is tomorrow morning from 10 to 11. So, if you had anything you wanted to say and you didn't get a chance to say it today, call in tomorrow. Uh, WERU Community Soapbox, a monthly open mic style call-in show. Also, tune in here next week, our our multi-partisan panel. will be getting together again to talk about the presidential elections and we also have been discussing some of the issues on the ballot here in Maine this November. We have a libertarian, a Trump supporter, a uh, Hillary Clinton supporter, a former Bernie Sanders supporter who's still calling himself a th- third-degree burner but is now le- leaning towards Jill Stein and a Jill Stein supporter. So we have a lot of different perspectives in those discussions, and we invite you to call and join them as well. This has been Maine Currents. I'm your host, Amy Brown. This is independent local news, views, and culture. Join us here every Wednesday afternoon at 4. I want to thank my guests in the studio today, Tracy Hare and Larry Danzinger, and also Joel Mann, who engineered today's program, filling in And stay tuned, we've got Democracy Now! coming up next, followed by Jazz Straight Ahead with Larry Stahlberg here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org.
2: Support for WERU comes from Maine Farmland,